Welcome to Straight Edge, the podcast. My name is Clive Allwright, and along with my amazing guests and co-hosts, we're going to be having some brutally honest and sometimes confronting conversations around all things of addictive behavior. Now, as it happens, I've been a hairdresser for 37 years, and during my career, I've met many people just like me that have also struggled in the many different areas of addiction. So our main focus of this podcast is to chat with as many people as possible from the hairdressing, barbering, and media industries, along with some pretty smart people that work in the fields of addiction to get a deeper understanding of why so many of us struggle with the balance of family, careers, health, and the day-to-day pressures of life. So if this sounds like an area you'd like to dive deeper into, make a cup of tea, sit back, and listen to Straight Edge, the podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Straight Edge, the podcast. It is so good to be here this afternoon. Amy, how are you? Very good. How are you? I'm super excited. We've got a guest on the show today, which I'm super excited to chat with because I'll give you a little bit of a backstory. When I first got sober four years ago, um, I was on a podcast, Dom Lehane, How to Cut It. And Dom told me about this guy that he'd, he'd interviewed for the podcast called Niall Colgan, who um, had been through some some serious challenges with with drugs and alcohol. And I listened to that particular episode. And to our listeners, if you haven't heard it, uh, I suggest go to uh, How to Cut It podcast with Dom Lehane. And I can't remember which episode it is, but we'll put it in the show notes and you can hear the story in full. And the other reason why I'm so excited is because Niall is our first international guest and he's also our first hairdresser. Niall, welcome. I know it's six o'clock in the morning over there in Limerick, right? It's Limerick? Yeah. No, I'm actually, actually, my salon is in Limerick. Uh, right. but I'm in a place called Killaloo in County Clare, which is a beautiful, uh, beautiful touristy type village on, on Loch Derg, uh, about 40 minutes from Limerick. Uh, but, but I live, I live outside the city. Right. Yeah. Oh, nice. so I'm in Killaloo, it's, a, yeah. it's a beautiful part of the world. My sister actually is called Clare and she lives in Killarney. She's been living there as long as I've been living in Australia. So, um, we're Lovely super excited to chat well. It is. It is. It's great to be on. Thank you so much. I'm guessing that the weather is a lot colder than it is here. <laughs> yeah, we, we've 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 had a rainy year this year. We've had a we've had a wet year. A couple of nice weeks here and there, but like really, it's cold now. It's uh, well, well, it's not it's not freezing, but it's November and yeah. winter, and you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's six a.m. It's dark yeah. outside, as you can see. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, wow. uh, well, thank you so much for getting up early and uh, and chatting to us today. So let's let's get okay. into it now. I mean, as I say, I've been stalking you. I follow you. You've got a major social media presence. I think I must have driven home with you five times on one of you, on, on your <laughs> lives when you were sort of talking about your day and the clients and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And you've you, to me, you're just such an inspiration. But I know that you you've had some struggles along the way. So let's yeah. just start off at the beginning with you know who is Niall Colgan and uh, tell us a little bit about your backstory. Right. Well, well, well. I'm 54 now. Um, I've been hairdressing 37 years. Um, I was born in Dublin. Uh, we moved to Limerick when I was young. Um, the whole family moved down. My dad is uh, a founder member of the University of Limerick, and. Uh, so we were taken out of Dublin, brought to Limerick, uh, schooled in Limerick, and uh, had had a very very difficult childhood. It has to be said. Um, 
uh, I, I think I think my mum should never have left Dublin. She was she was very out there. She was uh, she was very social. She was um, uh, she was a genius. She was a Mensa member. She uh, and and she came to Limerick. And my dad, I suppose, was so consumed with building the college into the university it became. And mum was left to rear six kids, I suppose, you know, and oh, six. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think she found it really lonely. I think it's uh, fair to say. And uh, difficulties arose from, from early. Uh, I'm the eldest boy, I have two older sisters, three younger brothers. And, uh, you know, like, like you said there earlier on, you know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm sober now 10 years. The last 10 years have been some journey. But what the most important thing for me in the last 10 years is I've been able to pick apart uh, in clarity my childhood because wow. things have come back to me that I never remembered. I never knew happened. I never, uh, it, 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 the, the clarity I've gotten. And, and, and each year in the 10 years has been so different to the last. Uh, I, you know, when, when I look at what developed me into the 15 year old that, that was, that left school that day, um, very, very young, you know, like it was 1984, uh, and the challenges had grown too much for me in my life, uh, both at home and in school. Um, and, you know, the funny thing is that I think when, when you're a kid, uh, you, you, you don't like people around you to know that you're struggling. You know, like yeah. people talk about mental yeah. health today and they say, guys, it's good to talk, you know, and, and, and they, they encourage adults to talk. Mm. Nobody encourages kids to talk and nobody encourages yeah. kids what's important and, 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 and how to open up and how to, how to express proper emotion. And I suppose because life was so difficult at home, I became a worker from a very young age. So I did anything I could to get out of the house. So from the ages of eight, nine, ten, when the rugby club out the back was uh building new pitches, I was I was on the I was on the pitches every weekend with silver pail buckets, uh picking stones yeah. off the pitch for ten cents a bucket. Do you know? Um, mm. Uh, mm. and and like I did that all day, you know, for, for my weekend, just to be out of the house. And I suppose my my next door neighbor actually was, was a DJ with the Radio 2 Roadshow. So there was this radio station in Ireland called 2FM. It's still around today. But in, in Ireland, in the, the early 80s, the DJs were absolute superstars. They were almost bigger superstars than the artists themselves, you know. Yeah, and there was wow. this thing called, it's called the Radio 2 Roadshow. And I used to spend all my money that I used to earn picking up the stones off Carrie Holmes' rugby pitch on seven-inch singles. Uh, I just got wow. uh, music for me became the out to the difficulties I was having as a child. Uh, so mm. I became obsessed with records and record collecting, and and I would hound my neighbour who was a DJ on the Radio Two Roadshow. Now the Radio Two Roadshow was this. This um, uh, event that would happen all over the country, right, and on a Saturday night. So they'd have local DJs that would drive to halls, if you like, 
set up DJ equipment, uh, and the place would be crammed full of people because the Radio 2 DJ would be arriving. And uh, the local DJ would, would start the party. And then uh, uh, about an hour, an hour and a half into it, the, the, the main Radio 2 DJ would arrive. And the place would go fucking insane, right? Wow. But I, 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 <laughs> at the age of 12, at the age of 12, I was like, I want to come with you to set up the gear. I want to come with you to do this. I want to come with you to, to load the van, unload the van. And eventually I wow. pestered him so much, he, he allowed me to come along. So I'd sit in the front of the van, we'd be, we, we'd get there, we'd set up the gear, I learned how to set up gear, I learned how to set up turntables, uh, I bring my, always brought my little box of seven inch singles, even though yeah. there's no way I was going to get to play them, and yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I, I'd watch this, watch this, this, this thing unfold that no 12 year old, you know, was, was open to seeing, you know, wow, and I did 12. that for about, yeah, I did that for about three years, uh, so, like, before anybody would arrive in, I'd put on my seven inches and learn how to cue them and, you know. And wow. by the time by the time I was 15, I was quite adept at playing records. And uh, the summer of 1984, I, uh, or 1985, I became, uh, I suppose, not, not jumping on too far, right? I, I suppose I became the most confident in myself that I'd ever been. Um, mm. from, from the difficult childhood that I had, I suppose you, you're always searching and looking for validation somewhere else because if mm-hmm. you get rejected at home, you yeah. and if you feel that neglect, right? Um, now, I'm not saying I was shoeless, or you know what I mean, but, mm-hmm. but, yeah. but it's an emotional thing. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. No, so children need in... emotional love. Can I, I just, on, I've Clive. written two things down here, and that is, I mean, we're, I've just realized we're the same age. I'm 54 as well. Yeah. And when you were speaking, it took me, but I went a flashback to my childhood. Like, remember from our generation, we were told good children are seen and not heard which yeah. got me the whole thinking about we weren't encouraged to talk about uh, emotions and bits yeah. and pieces. So mm. I guess it all makes sense of like, especially if your mum's got five other children in the house, yeah. then you're going to be yeah. like, well, I'm not going to sit down there. It's going to be too crazy. I'm going to get myself out and deal with things in my own way. Would I be right in saying that? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Mm. And, and, you know, like the the – Obviously, like I said a few minutes ago, the clarity that has come in the last couple of years, not the first couple of years of sobriety, the last couple, when yeah. when, when I remembered that, you know, I was always told that I was a little liar mm. and I would never become anything but a liar. I'll always be a liar. I, you know, it, they, they prefer if I was a murderer than a liar. Right. Because, wow. you know, and, and that's that's a really difficult thing to hear at, at 12 years of age. Uh, I think maybe thirteen. I, I'm really I struggle with the with the with the timeline on this. I was sent to I was sent to a priest as a child to because my parents uh, felt that that I was possessed or something right? because I was the I was I was the loudest uh, and probably the most difficult. But I think looking back, I was the rebel in the in the in their relationship, if you like, and mm. uh, and, and you know. I'm sure you've heard all about the Catholic Church in Ireland and 
and I was 12, yeah. I was a vulnerable little boy. I was sent to to be taught by this priest and, and, and unfortunately I became a victim. And um, at 12 years of age, that's a very difficult thing to, but of course I never told anybody, you know, you yeah. know I just, because I blamed myself, because that's what you do, mm. don't you? Like, it's a common your thing, kids, you it? blame yourself. Oh, I'm yeah. so sorry, so, mate. So, so, so it just became me against the world, I think, at that young age. And, and when you are trying to seek people's approval, which you do with everybody around you, you know, mm-hmm. you, 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 you become vulnerable and you become, you know, people can pick out a person that needs um, emotional support. And as, yeah, as children, I think this is, this is, and I look at children today, you know, and, and if you're if you show any sign of weakness, it's like the it's like nature, isn't it? You get picked on and you get bullied. Yeah. Yep. But yep. so so you know, life became, I suppose, ultimately a lot about shame mm. and and uh and, and nobody to turn to and 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 and, and blame. You know, but, mm-hmm. but blaming yourself because that's what you do as a child. And yep. I suppose when I hit that summer of 85 and the music had become so important to me and I was doing the Radio 2 Roadshow with Mike every Saturday night and, you know, uh, then I began to get like a little bit bolder myself and start approaching places in Limerick and I started playing records in, in the city. I told them I was 20 and, you know, and that summer of 85, I made some great connections, uh, school connections, school friends and um, I suppose I arrived back to school in September 85 thinking that, okay, this world ain't so such a bad place. You know, I was DJing a couple of nights mm. in Limerick. I was working in Levy's Shoes on Saturday. I was working in Punch's Bar on Sundays. You know, it, you know, I was earning a few quid. Uh, I went back in school and, and then it all came crashing down for me. Um because I went back to school in, in the in the autumn of eighty five, a much more confident young man and uh and I think that other young boys certainly get threatened by that. Mm, All right. Yeah. Um and I found the dynamic change very quickly mm. in the school that year, that that, that autumn. I realized that things weren't quite the way the way they had been before and I started to notice that people became very distant with me right now home life had become extremely difficult at this stage because I suppose on top of what happened to me um I was really rebelling against my parents at this stage you know and yeah uh, yeah I'm doing everything in my power to get out of the house yeah mm. and um I started to notice that the kids were wearing these ACC badges, right? And 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 people were ignoring me and being distant. And then the the connections that I'd made that summer, um, they also started to become distant from me. And kids are really cruel, aren't they? Like you know, they're yeah, they're they're, 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 they're going to fall in line with the with 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 what happens. And uh, another friend that had just joined the school from Dublin came to me and said, "Look, I just want you to know that the ACC badges are the anti Colgan Club badges, right?" Now. I felt that that was the greatest kick in my teeth that I ever could have gotten, right? Um, mm, mm. Home life was shit. Uh, the, you know, the, everything about the, the priest and, 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 you know, everything came came up. And I thought, now school life is shit as well. 
Um, yeah. And 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 I left school. Um, How old were you I, at that I, stage I, then, Niall? How old were 15, you then? Fifteen. Yeah. Wow. Fifteen. Yeah. And sorry, uh, Niall, what what are the badges again? The ACC, did you say? The Anti Colgan Club, which is even difficult oh, for me to say at fifty-four. You know. Um, whoa. What is, what is the, that? No, it was it was just this. It, you know, one of the, one of the kids decided that they'd start this this. Um, <laughs> You know, it, it's hard to it's hard to comprehend really. You know why they do it to another kid. Anti Niall Colgan. It, it is what happened. And yeah, so I just wow. That that day that I heard, I was in that morning. I had had a massive bust up with my mother. Like that must have been devastating. Worst, the worst ever, right? And I remember I was ironing it, my school shirt, and she came up to me and 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 I actually knocked her to the ground, right? And and I remember. I sat on her and I and I pulled the iron and I was I, I was just so wow. angry and I put the iron up and I and I just left home and I went out to school and at about I had heard that morning about the ACC and about uh, twelve o'clock I was in in the class at the front of the school and I looked out and I saw my mother coming down down the drive uh, and I just thought well she was walking down this long drive at the school and. And she, she was, you know, she was, she wasn't in a good place. I could see, and people started to notice that my mother, in not a good place, was walking down the drive of the school. And I stood up, uh, I picked up my bag, and uh, I just said "fuck you" to the teacher, and uh, I walked out of school. Wow! Now, my parents thought that that I just left school because I didn't like it. I didn't tell anybody about the anti Colgan Club. I didn't tell anybody about the difficulties I was experiencing. Nothing. Uh, because you don't tell people that that was the case. They thought I, that I just left school because I just decided to leave school. And with my dad being an academic, and I'm sure mm-hmm. his, his idea of his eldest son getting his first degree, honours degree off him, you know, in the college, uh, mm-hmm. that, that I was thro- absolutely throwing my life away. And yeah, I, I I was because I I couldn't stay at home. I couldn't stay in school. I couldn't I couldn't deal with the with the inner pain. The the and and you know and I suppose that's an awful lot of information to take in. But as a kid, you know, I I had absolutely and utterly nowhere or no one to turn to. You know, and yeah, awful. So so that that day when when like dad was called he came home uh, and and i was told if you leave in school you're leaving home and that that it's... i went and stayed on somebody's couch for a couple of days and 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 i got my first flat in limerick um for 17 pounds a week that weekend and when you were when 15 you... <laughs> mm. is that when you started hairdressing yeah so i was djing a couple of nights a week that stage yeah. in limerick so um i already uh, had connections in the city and I was working at the weekends on Levy Shoes and uh, and I didn't know what I was going to do so there was this um, um, info it was called our manpower and it was uh, what do you call those people that help you decide what you're going to do um, in, uh, you know there are, like um, careers people yeah I went to see them and uh, I went went into this woman's office and she thought, you know, and she said, what would you like to be? And I said, well, I'd like to be a, a, a Garda, <laughs> which is a police <laughs> officer. Right? Right, and right. she went, well, well, you need to do your, 
in Italy, they leave in France for that, so I won't forget that. And she said, <laughs> yeah. and I said, well, I'd like to maybe be in fashion or something. And she went, you need to go to college for that, and you need to be in school to do that. And I went, no, fuck that. And uh, <laughs> she said, well, what, what about hairdressing? And I went, I've never been in a hair salon my entire life. My mother used to cut my hair, like, you know. Like, oh, my God, uh, so never, funny. So, so I said, yeah, what, why not? And she made a call. And she called this man called Hugh Campbell. She said, look, I've got a young fella here. He's interested in becoming a hairdresser, which I, okay, I don't know. And, uh, and I was told to come up and come up and see him. And um, so I straight away left the office and I walked the four or five blocks up the road and I went down to the basement of Ford the Crescent. And uh, Mr. Campbell let me, left me sitting on the couch for four hours, right? So I sat on the couch facing him where he was working in this incredibly busy space. I'd never been in a hair salon before. I'd never seen this. And and I don't know whether he left me there for four hours to get the feel of the space or to to whatever it was. But at the end it's, of the it's four hours... It's the only hours, chance you're going to sit I, down in the salon for four hours, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the four hours, I was like, my God, I, I'd been watching him, you know, this man was like commanding this room and, and uh, you know, the the respect and the, the the clients were loving him. And, and, and it was, I'd never seen anything like it. And by the time he sat, he came in and sat with me, looked at me. He said, do you want to be a hairdresser? I said, yeah. And he said, be here Tuesday morning at quarter to nine. No jeans. Right? That was my only <laughs> oh, interview in my whole life. At 54 oh, years of age. Wow. That was my only ever interview in my whole life. And and then began my hairdressing career where for the next twenty years I was under his wing and uh and I I I began my hairdressing career. And Amazing. you know, it, it it's funny. Um I often would have said, you know, it's not, it's not too bad, you know, uh, leaving school at 15 and, and, and getting out into the big bad world and starting off your own thing. But I don't recommend it. You know, mm, people yeah. say to me, oh, he did okay. Uh, I don't recommend it. I think people should finish their education uh, as far mm-hmm. as they can go, whether it be to their, their leaving cert, which would be, I suppose, their A or o, their A levels or, uh, and, and, and finish those formative years in in education with surrounded by your mm. peers because it's a big bad world when you go out there into the adult world of world of work and and stuff mm-hmm. and um uh so the funny thing was myself and my partner Mimi were watching uh, this this show called Normal People recently. And All right. Norm, do you know have, have you heard of it? Has it reached No. No, so, not so, yet. So Normal People is about uh, uh it's a fantastic series. Uh, about uh, young youngsters growing up and and early love and they're they're finishing their school and go starting college and the 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 relationships that form in that period of time and it became immensely popular here and so have the actors mm. and I I was watching it with Mealy and and I found myself getting extremely emotional watching it right and I had to mm. actually stop watching and I couldn't continue because. Right. I felt that watching it really reminded me of what I missed out on from 15 to 20. 
yeah. being surrounded by your peers in those formative years, I think, are hugely, hugely important. And yeah. I didn't have that. You know, I didn't have family or friends. I had, I was, I was in work, and and uh, and I was starting to build a career for myself. And 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 <clears throat> I suppose I, I, it was. It was the beginning of me, you know, trying to do it on my own, you know, um, and 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 it's when I suppose I found myself truly embarking on my life of victimhood, you know, mm. and and I think that uh, that's an important thing to say, you know, you don't get that 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 guidance, that 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 you know adolescent guidance. You go from yeah. child to adult, and you miss out on adolescence. And, right. and they're the most formative years of your life. So yeah. I had to stop watching it because I found it was gutturally affecting me with mm. uh, emotionally, you know, that that uh, that that I wasn't there to to witness that part of my life, you know. Yeah, well, shame. I, I know you went on to I mean your career has been amazing and um you've got some accolades to your name and bits and pieces. So where you you're in you work for I'm sorry, I can't I didn't write down your employer's name what was his name so so i i started off working for hugh campbell and, hugh and he campbell, had one salon right. hugh campbell yeah he had one salon at the time and then his 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 uh, he is an empire now he's got five salons yeah. and his business his business grew and grew over over the the years and uh, i suppose i worked around his company um for 20 years but you know um the time came for a new challenge uh, around 2004 i think yeah i think 2004 and 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 i i went out in the big bad world you know and i think it's it's very easy for people to become i think the opposite to courage is conformity um, and i think we are a, we are a world of conformers Mm-hmm. I think if, if enough Good people statement. stepped out of their comfort zone and actually followed their dreams rather than care about what anybody else thinks about what they're doing, because people are going to be incredibly critical about anybody that shows any flair, uh, anybody yeah. that shows any imagination. Like, look at the hairdressing industry, right? If you're, if you're working in the salon and you're working there a few years and you're a little bit stale and you've got, a, you've got an apprentice there that's showing real encouragement, encouraging signs of brilliance the stale ones are going to put them down yeah the stale yep. ones are going to discourage them the stale yep. ones are yep. going to call them fucking idiots for filming their work or for taking a picture of it what are you doing you know and people will constantly try and knock that spark out of you yeah yeah totally spark, agree. you know like 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 so so you really need to look at your surroundings it was the funny thing is, you know, when I look back, I took advice from so many people that were nowhere close to the level that I wanted to be at. Yeah. And I still look back at people today and they take advice from people that are just conformers. Yeah. And they're not mm. like step out of the boundaries. And, you know, they're mm. like, like, it's just the most common thing, isn't it? Like you, yep. you turn to the person beside you whose life's an absolute mess and you look for relationship advice. You turn to the person on the other side of you who's who's an average hairdresser and, and does no interest in, in, in being in any way creative and you look to them for advice. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So you started your, your Yeah, exactly. Surround yourself with the right people, is for that for sure. Do you um um you started your own business in two thousand and four? 
No, no, um, no. I went, I went, I went into another salon in 2004. Oh, I got an offer. I could refuse, and right. and and I embarked on 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 taking a business and 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 uh, uh, turning that around and 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 turning it into something else. And and I I think that even though at the time I was I was heavily drinking and taking cocaine, um, never. But the one thing that you know, somebody said to me recently, you know, how did you do all this? And how are you where you are today when you were such a fucker, right? And you drank and took <laughs> so good many at it. drugs. We're good at it though, aren't we? Yeah. And I said, the one thing I never, ever did, even though lots of people would like to say different, and I, I, you know, I, I never, ever took drugs or drank when I was at work. Yeah. I showed up at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it, hairdressing is the most ju- judgmental a career you could embark on. So if you don't want to be judged, don't become a hairdresser. Mm. You're judged every yeah. day by the people you work with, and you're judged yeah. every hour by the client that you're with. Oh, not yeah, sure. great for him today. He looked a little bit overweight. He was, yeah. you know, he, he, he's <laughs> tired. You know, I I think he gave me four minutes less on my haircut today than he did the last yeah. time. He didn't take yeah. a picture of me today. He mustn't have liked his hair, my hair. Do you know, you know, like, like you're in judgment all the time. You know, you're, yeah. you're a judged yeah. person. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you, if you're not comfortable being judged, don't go into hairdressing. And I think, I think I was, I, I think I was, uh, I was, I was, I was sucked into that, into that life. Yeah. I, I, I stayed in that, I stayed in that, um, uh, job for um five years uh all, all, all the while my my life around me was complete another mess and um, mm. i was i was i was in a pattern of destructive behavior i think because i didn't learn anything anymore and um, mm. my first living with a girl relationship was catastrophic i think it's, it's, right. it has to be said and and that that went on i had a child very very young uh mm. for, when I wasn't even able to be an adult myself. Um, I had no yeah. idea how to parent. I had no idea how to love, mm-hmm. which is a yeah. hugely important statement. Um, yeah. uh, I'd never, I'd never felt I was loved. Um, mm-hmm. And I had no idea how to love back. And I think yeah. that when you're in that situation and you're in a catastrophic relationship, that it tends to lead to absolute chaos in your head, like chaos. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so by the time 2009 came and I found myself in a situation where, uh, again, I'd been, uh, made poor choices. Um, I had no idea how to adult still. Um, and, uh, I had come to the end of the road in, in that, that place. I, I had, I had two options. I suppose, uh, go to New York, um, where I had a job offer, uh, or open my own salon. Now, I knew if I went to New York, I'd be Billy Big Balls, right? Mm. And I would go there and I would be, you know, I'd get into the, the, the uh, you know, it was a very flamboyant salon with a very uh, celebrity-driven owner. And, and I, I would have got in with that scene, you know? Yeah. And five years later, I would have come back to Ireland in a box. And that is mm. exactly what would have happened. Don't need yeah. to pick that apart anymore. Uh, yeah. I would have, mm-hmm. I would have hit the coke trail in New York, and I would have been, I, I, you know, I still 
play records and um, you know and and I would have hit the DJ trail in New York and I would have lost my I would have partied the pain away yeah yeah uh, and, yeah and and so I, I I think I met this guardian angel I suppose in 2009 and um, in early 2009 when I finished in my second ever job after mm. um 20 years and five years and uh and he was a solicitor and I was sitting in his office and I was going, I'm going to sue those guys. I'm going to do this. Oh, they're there. I'm the victim. Me, me, me. Victim, 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 victim. You know, uh, it's their fault. It's their fault. Just like it was everybody else's fault. Um, mm. uh, I want to sue them. And he said, calm down. He said, let's, let's go about doing your own thing. Let's mm. just forget about that. This mm-hmm. is going to take up too much time. It's going to yeah. take up too much headspace. Yeah. He said, "This it'll take five years to go to court, and you're going to be so successful in five years that you're going to be. Why am I bothering my arse to take time out of the day to pursue this?" Yeah. And and he said, and I said, "But but but I've I've got no money, and I, I'm I'm like my financial life was car crash because every penny I got I'd spend on socializing, alcohol, drugs." partying records you know yeah so i you know like so i had no mm. zero money zero mm. and 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 he i think was the first person that showed that level of you can do this yeah that in my life and he went wow so you're going to amazing so, so even though I know this is the maddest thing, you're going to be really surprised at this. Even though I was partying hard at the weekend, I was mm. also triathloning. Like I was, uh, I was running, I was cycling, I was what? swimming. Oh my I, god! I, I just, uh, don't How did you I, do that? I, I don't even ask me. I, 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 look, I've no, I've no idea. No, I've no idea. But, but I, 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 I set about opening my own salon. I, I didn't even wow. know what buttons to press to make it work. I wow. still wasn't adulting, right? Mm. I still wasn't. Mm. I didn't know how to be in a relationship. I didn't know how to be a leader. I didn't know how to. I was creative director. I was a manager. I was an educational director. I was blah, 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 blah. It was bullshit. Yeah. The greatest bullshit you could ever spew was my career to that day. <laughs> yeah, I built, I built, I built a, I built a passion for the haircut. But I'm a different hair color today than I was in 2009, let me tell you, right? Sorry. Because what sobriety has done for me is it's given me that victimhood mentality is gone, that focus mentality is there, and that, that what do I want to do with my life, right? Mm. What do I want to do? I, I want to get to be the best that, that I can possibly be, not the best in the world, the best that I can be. And yeah, I love that. When, when, I, when I started my own business, in 2009, that door opening, I still felt that crushing sense of defeat because mm. I knew I didn't know what buttons to press to make it work. I genuinely didn't. Okay? Yeah. And we yeah. just hit a recession in Ireland. The mm-hmm. worst recession in my lifetime, right? Where yeah. the property market had completely crashed. The place had gone to absolute shit. The whole of Limerick said he's going to fall flat in his face and they weren't wrong. Because, mm. you know, I was going to fall flat in my face, except for my solicitor set me up with two accountants, Sean and Alison. Mm-hmm. And were it not for them, do you know what I mean? That, that like, 
because I didn't know about tax. I didn't know about money. I didn't yeah. know about stock. I didn't know about yeah. people. Just like, yeah, I'll open a salon. No worries. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know about employment law. I didn't know about hiring people. I didn't know about leading people. I didn't know about educating people. I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. But there mm-hmm. I was. Look at me. Look, I've got yeah. this amazing salon, which I ended up with opening this beautiful salon on O'Callaghan wow. Strand in Limerick, looking onto the River Shannon. And uh, and just I had this beautiful space, but what was happening in it wasn't wasn't anything akin to what's happening in it today. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, it was, so it was just. It was. It was difficult. It was difficult. So did the drugs and the es- the drugs and the drinking escalate? What? Yeah. Where did that? Yeah. Did... Where did that all start, Niall? Like, was it something that you know? I mean, obviously, you've left home at fifteen, so yeah. essentially, like. You really are, like you said, you've, you've skipped this adolescence, but you, you're still really a child at 15. You, you know, you're not fully yeah. developed, but you're thrown into an adult world. Um, was that was that where drinking started? Like, how old were yeah. you when it all kind of, like, when you like started I, with I, it? I, I, I'd be able to go for a few pints then, you know, um, and uh, quite controlled and okay. Mm. And alcohol wasn't that important to me. But I think as things became more difficult for me, the... The, the 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 realization that like after my first child was born that relationship was really difficult and and, and things like that were I think all of that memory builds up subconsciously in your head and and you need to start numbing the pain and of course mm. then I took my first E in 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 1993 and I experienced what it was like to be out of my head. Yeah, uh, and that catapulted me into a place of wanting to be out of my head all the time, right? Because yeah. this was unbelievable, right? Yeah. And of course, then I was DJing. I set up the the first dance club in Limerick, the Bulls Club, uh, and then I set up the second dance club in Limerick in Strictly Rhythm, which turned out to be this famous Irish club. And uh, and I watched five hundred people worship me, the DJ. You know. While yeah. they were yeah. out of their heads on ecstasy, and I was yeah. hairdressing and DJing, and I was doing all this like wild stuff. But afterwards, again, I never took drugs when I was DJing. But afterwards, I made up for it, and I was yeah. the I was the party animal. I, but I was numbing. I was numbing. I realize now numbing that that absolute car crash of of a relationship I had with myself in my head. So when yeah. I opened the salon in two thousand and nine. Um, I had I had tried my best to have a better relationship with alcohol, and then in September two thousand and nine, I met my current partner Mealy, uh, who is just like, <laughs> she said, "Don't paint me out to be an angel in your podcast. I don't like it, right?" But, but, <laughs> but she ain't she ain't no angel. She's difficult, <laughs> but you know, she's amazing. But 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 we we like. I didn't realize that at the time, but that was the the monumental shift in my life that I actually needed. Mm-hmm. I just fell head over heels in love with this girl, and you know, um, she brought some stability. But in the salon, I was like, still like, what am I doing? You know, I I had no confidence in myself as a hairdresser at the time as well. Believe it or not, mm-hmm. right? So myself and Mealy embarked on our relationship, and Mealy got pregnant, and we ended up having Reuben in October 2010. And things were amazing, right? But still, I had no idea how to run a business. Things were amazing. Um, 
Neely was very sick when she was pregnant with Reuben and Reuben came along and just like life was life was good. I felt here I'm getting a second chance to be a dad. Uh, yeah. I, I, I already had two kids. I had I had been married before uh, after my my first relationship. And, you know, it's just everything that I touched turned 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 wrong. Right. Uh, and and I realized now looking back, it was the circle of destruction. Right. It was this right. this uh, uh, three year cycle that, that I had. Great year. Right. Not so great year. Fucking terrible year. Right. Right. Uh, if you survived a fucking terrible year, you might have another great year, and then right. okay year, fucking terrible year, and then everything yeah, falls right. apart, right? So that's what happened with Neely. First mm. year, great year. Second year, not so good. Third year, complete car crash, right? Wow. Uh, Ruben was diagnosed with autism in um, December, um, twenty twelve, and right. here was Niall Calgan, the victim again. This is happening mm-hmm. to me, you know, just. Fuck this life. This is bullshit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I started drinking. Uh on the way home from work, I would I would have a couple of minis drunk in the car before I'd get home. Right. And then uh, I'd get home and I'd 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 hide full wine glasses. Mealy doesn't drink at all. Uh you know, saving grace here, right? Uh, I'd yeah. hide a couple of wine glasses filled in the press that she wouldn't go to. And then because she didn't know the difference, my wine bottle I used to buy was a brown wine bottle. Right. I'd leave about that much wine in the bottom of it, and then I'd fill it with water, so wow. it looked like there was two glasses gone out of it. And I, I consumed the glasses in the kitchen, and then I'd go in and tip away at that one glass. So she think I thought I really got drunk on one glass of wine, you know. Wow. So, Gosh. So, and then at, at, you know, I was I was trying whenever I could to get out to get some drugs in me, and and then. Everything about me and my salon was a facade. In twenty thirteen, mm-hmm. life was the the voices in my head were screaming, "You fucking complete failure! You absolutely are the worst fuck up that ever lived. You know you are a disgrace. You are you know look at look at all the secrets you're hiding. Yeah, right? look yeah. at all the bullshit behind the scenes. You you know you you're 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 the liar you were told you were going to be. You're a fucking no. liar." Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, um, on the twenty first of October, twenty thirteen, my salon won Irish Salon of the Year. Now, don't ask me how we did that, right? But again, <laughs> I was the greatest bullshitter on the planet, right? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, the events leading up to the twenty first of October, twenty thirteen, were were getting more and more difficult. Mainly, my relationship had completely crashed at this stage. Uh, she had thrown herself into the world of autism. I had thrown myself into the world of I can't fucking deal with this, right? Right. And um, and I couldn't deal with her. I couldn't deal with her talking about it. I couldn't deal with thinking about it. I couldn't, you know. Uh, by this mm-hmm. age, our, our second son Hugo had come along, and so we had two kids, and it was like, it, from mentally, it was chaos. And I thought, look, it, I couldn't do it the first two times. I'm not going to be able to do it this time. Yeah. This is an absolute car crash. And I set down this destructive path secretive destructive path that uh on the outside led me to winning Irish Salon of the Year on twenty first of October twenty thirteen. But behind the scenes, what did I do that night? I got fucked up. When I should have yeah. been walking around, shaking people's hands, getting the plaudits of I was fucked up. Mm. I'm drinking drugs. Took my first line of coke at two o'clock in the afternoon. 
you know, and then horsed into the wine at dinner and horsed into the pints afterwards, the vodka after that. And uh, not being the, the, the networking, look look at me, look what I've done. I, I was out of control, just represented my life. Mm. The events of that night are the reason I do not drink again. You know, uh, like, I will never forget that, that night. I'll never, wow. even though I went into blackout, okay, mm. and the events are, are, you know, of the, the, the true nature of the night. I, I have no rec- recollection of, but um, wow. the following day um, began the most painful period of my life. And right. It's hard to say that because um, everybody thinks when you stop drinking that life is going to become great. Okay. Mm. But it doesn't. Right. And, and you've mm. got to prepare yourself for that because there's, there's, You've you've come out of you've come out out of a pattern of destructive behavior because of yeah. your mindset and your reality, and mm-hmm. you've embarked on 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 a on a life of 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 clean clean and sober, right? But there is a there there is a, a monumental shift to take on board here, right? Now I found myself, and I'll come to that in a second. I found myself kicked out of home the following day. Uh, staying wow. in a flat. I, that that day, I went to my first ever AA meeting. Um, I realized was, that the, that, was this the day after after the yeah twenty second of October. Yeah, right. Okay. Of October. Okay. That night, I didn't realize I'd be at my first AA meeting ever in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I looked around at the pain and the destruction that I caused. My salon was in chaos because of the events of that night. My home life was over. My parenting was just forget about that right my family were so ashamed uh, and 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 i found myself living in a flat i, I this guy just took took me in uh, for for a week and um, i stayed in his flat. but the realization of absolute another car crash was was down on my head right um, mm. and and i and i looked i remember that night after the a meeting i went to my home where Mealy and the boys were, and I looked in, and the fire was lighting. The, there was lovely lighting in the place. Mealy was in tears, and, and it was raining and it was cold, and I wasn't allowed in. Oh, that's hard. And that, I said to myself, how am I going to write this wrong? Mm-hmm. How am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And it's very, very difficult to do that. You really need to. You really need to, uh, to I, I don't know whether I pulled everything that I had from my work ethic and I thought, I need to, I need to focus here and do this. Then I went to AA every night for seven nights mm-hmm. and then uh, things were getting worse between me and I and things were getting worse in my life. The salon was in chaos, lads. Chaos. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is all falling apart. And on Sunday morning, the twenty seventh of October, twenty thirteen, I, after after Mealy's mother had called to see me and told me to 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 wake up and get myself together, you know, I hadn't drink that at that, that stage in a week. Uh, after she left, I became the most calm I've ever been in my life, the most happy I've ever been in my life, the most content and elated almost. I don't know what it was, but what came over me was that I had to take my own life. I had to do it. Wow, wow and mate. Going from, from such an absolute mess 
I went from being an absolute mess to being, this is the answer. Like, so I thought I'm a brilliant swimmer, which was from, for me. Uh, and, and, and if I jump in the river, I'm probably going to take me too long to go. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, yes. and, 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 and they laughed, talk about, but yeah. They, yeah, but they talk about that moment of instant regret. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. And, and how long is it going to take me to drown? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. is that going to be in a state of regret? Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. know? And I just thought to myself, I'll drive to the cliffs some more and I'll mm. jump off the cliffs. Right. And, uh, and it just can. It's like, wow. Can. I got into my car and I drove to the cliffs some more and I didn't tell anyone I was going. Like, I, I texted lots of people, like, in, in that week, you know, like, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to live? And I think that morning I sent texts in, you know, I just can't see how I can write the wrongs that I've done. But I didn't say, yeah. you know, I'm going to take my own life. I didn't say anything like that. Mm-hmm. But but I was like, fuck it. This is this is a this is a bad this is a bad place. This is bad. This is bad. Uh, the drive to the Cliffs of Moher was absolutely beautiful. You know, I listened to David Bowie. And I'm obsessed with David Bowie. I listened to David Bowie. I was like. Why didn't I think of this? I was almost, you know, elated. And um, and my brother, who I had called out to me, just before I think I set off for the cliffs, okay? Now, I had put my mobile phone on the seat beside me, uh, turned over. Mm. And uh, and <laughs> I, I wasn't paying any attention to it because I didn't think anyone was looking for me. Yeah. 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 No one was looking for me. Like, you know, I know. But my brother called out to Mimi and said, uh, can you show me where Nile is? And, and she went, he's he's over in a flat in uh, in, in Killu. And, you know, my mother was just knitting and he's an absolute fucking mess. He's an absolute yeah. disgrace. And my mother's told him to go to bed and get himself mm-hmm. together, you know. And yeah. she said, so I wouldn't even bother going over mm. to see him. And he went, just take me there, you know. And mm-hmm. she went, no, and eventually she did. But I think they got an awful shock when they saw my car wasn't there. Because, yeah, right. you know, like Mealy's mum had said, you know, he ain't, you know, he's not anything. I was shaken. I think I said to her, I, I, need, I think I need to go to the hospital. You know, I think I need to see a doctor. I think I need professional help. And you, I need and you were sober tests. as well. Yeah. And you yeah. Were, I was, I was so. like, I, when she called to see me, I was like this. Wow. I need was help. That I need was that part of like detoxing from the from the substance, think, or was it just think, no, mental no, no. health? No, it was just mental health. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. like it was. You know, like I just like really, I just partied as normal on the night twenty first. You know, detoxing wasn't a wasn't a thing. It was like mess. It was just emotional, mental, real reality mess. Right. Yeah. Um, so when they arrived at my house uh, or my flat that I was in, um, I think they got a terrible shock that my car wasn't there and I wasn't answering my phone. So mm-hmm. me and his sister worked for the Coast Guard. They uh, ended up in the up at the Garda station and they pinned my phone and they saw that I was eight kilometers from the Cliffs of Moher. <sighs> and, wow. and, you know, and, and this can be as long a story as, 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 as we want, but like, it can also be quite a short story, right? Like, I didn't realize then that this absolute operation ensued to to uh, to to rescue me or to 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 get me. And mm. uh, I stopped. I stopped very close to the cliffs, and I pulled in to look at the sea. 
And then I turned over my phone and I was like, 280 missed calls. Wow. 70 something text messages. My goodness. 37 <laughs> voicemails. Gosh. And as I was looking at it, my sister rang Orla and uh, I answered the phone. And she was, mm. I, I could hear the relief that when I answered the phone, right? And I said to her, Don't worry. I said, everything's okay. I said, mm. I found the way out. Everything's fine. No, no. You know, it's it's going to be better, right? And she's like, don't, you don't have to. And I said, look, just want to continue driving. I want to stay on the phone. I said, I'll, I'll talk to you. I said, and she, uh, you know, and, and then I drove to the cliffs some more, right? Funny thing about the cliffs, I wonder, I, I was, I think, even though I was in that state, like I had started to cry at that stage, you know, like there were lots mm. of tears in my eyes. And when I drove into the cliffs and I paid into the car park and stuff, I think people should be, should, should be really, really aware of single occupant vehicles going to the cliffs and mm. to be able to, to read the, what, what type of situation is in the car. And yeah. what kind of, Absolutely. you know, I think like mm-hmm. they have people walking bridges. I think that, I don't know whether they have that in you know, up there, but maybe it might, mm. you know, maybe they do. I don't know, but I didn't notice at the time. So when I got to the cliffs, um, I, <clears throat> I, I, I lifted over my phone again. And as I lifted over my phone, Orla was ringing again, right? Mm. So I answered it again. And, uh, and we spoke and I, and I got out of the car and I started to walk to the cliff. And little did I know that there was this fucking operation on the cliffs with the Coast Guard and the, Gardie and they were all looking for me, right? Gosh. Uh, but but Mealy's mum had got the 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 clothes description wrong. You know, she said a grey jacket and a black t shirt. I was wearing a black jacket and a grey t shirt. Right. Um, <laughs> so so I was I was walking I was walking towards the cliffs and Orla was like, you know, this isn't the way out. This isn't the way out. Now, I felt that this was the end. Like it had to be the end. Um, and. I was standing there for a minute and Orla said to me, um, don't make this your last word. She told me, don't, don't give someone the last word. And mm. it stopped me. It, you know, wow. it stopped me for, for a moment. Right? She said, that person will be at your funeral and they will say, I always told you it was him, not me. Mm. Mm. And that's your last word. Yeah, and it made me stop for a split minute. Right, mm. next thing I know, I've, 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 I've. This guard walks up to me and he says, "Are you speaking to your sister?" Because there was this whole operation going on. People were on multiple phones to each other. Guardy were on phones. There was people, and and I said, "I'm so shocked that this guard yeah. walked up to me and asked me was I speaking to my sister." Yeah, I said, "I am. Like- I am." Next minute, <laughs> I had arms you know? around me. I, I was, you know, and I and I heard him Gosh. say, I heard him say, "We have him, right?" Mm. And, mm. and even though the phone was over there, and the sound of the cliffs and everything, I could hear Orla scream, you know. And he said to me, his first words to me were, "I'm sorry, I have to say this, but you're under arrest under the mental health, you know, thing uh, uh, of Ireland, and I need to bring you to the Garda station, you know." And uh, mm-hmm. I, I said, "Okay." Single most important thing that ever happened in my life was that moment, because that wow. was my last word then. So, 
you know, I am so grateful. Wow. No. But I've had the opportunity to form a new last word. Mm. And I've spent 10 years forming that new last word. And mm. um, I was in a, Mealy tells me I come from a very privileged place. My family arrived up to the Garda station. Mealy arrived up to the Garda station. Her mother, her sister. It was, you know, I was brought home that night. Ah. Home, mm. right? Ah. Now, now, then began the pain, right? And this is the most important part. Then began the pain, right? Because I had caused Mealy so much pain. I'd caused everybody so much pain. Now I didn't have alcohol to fall back on. I didn't have drugs to fall yeah. back on. Uh, yeah. I was living my life, my liar life, and now it was time to move into the truth. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the next four or five days were so incredibly painful that even though mm. I was alive, uh, and and you know everybody thinks, oh, he's alive. You know, he's home. It's great. Uh, I I I had to, um, I I had to get better, right? So they took me to uh, rehab. Um, yeah, I was going to say, did you do a rehab? Yeah, I, I I only went for a week. All right, mm-hmm. but it was the most yeah. important week of my life because I was alone. I was in total solitude. I I listened to music properly for the first time. Mm-hmm. Words, lyrics, yep. sounds. I, I I read properly for the first time. I wrote properly for the first time. And, yeah. and when it was time to leave, Neely was waiting for me. And yeah. That was unbelievable because I I shattered a heart, right? Yep. Uh, and she was waiting for me, and so so I went home, and and I'm so grateful that she was there to bring me home, and and I had to start rebuilding my life and rebuilding my relationship and becoming a father properly, you know, yeah. um, to Ruben and Hugo, and, and 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 you know, and I found that not drinking and not taking drugs was actually okay, right? But I went to 90 meetings in 90 days after that. Um, when I came out of rehab, I went to 90 meetings. Absolute game changer for me. Uh, I never really went after that because, you know, I had developed uh, a home life. And, you know, um, I I had I was so busy with the salon. I had to I had to get focused. I went to the odd meeting after that. But, but those 90 meetings in 90 days were a game changer. And then... Um, I remember one night being at a meeting and it was the only time in 90 days I met this old man, right? And I shared at the meeting that uh, I was finding life incredibly painful, right? Mm, uh, mm. That, that I'd love to get out of my mind, okay? Mm. Now, everybody drinks to get out of their mind. I'm not saying they, they get out of their mind blotto drunk or lunacy stuff, like, yeah. uh, like addicts sometimes do, but we drink to get out of our mind. All right, whether that takes crazy, one or two it? drinks, it's it's to it's to be transported a little bit yeah. out of your mind, so that you yeah. you numb the pain. Right, when you don't have that, yeah. it's very very difficult. So I was talking about that, and this old man, his, and his name was Eric. I never met him before, never met him again. He came up to me and said, "He said you're experiencing, and the the best thing anyone's ever said to me this is right." He said, "You've spent the last twenty whatever it is years with." your destructive behavior you've got to take accountability for the trauma was something that happened but your actions were something that is your responsibility he said you have been destructive 
and what your destructive behavior has done, it's called this cause destructive pain. Mm-hmm. And he said, destructive pain comes in cycles. It gets okay. It gets better. It's not too bad. It's okay. It's better. It's not too bad. It's shit. It's up. It's down. It's in. It's out. Relationships come and go through destructive behavior. You know, uh, they'll hate you. You're going to leave a life of car crash behind you, but you'll move on to the next person. Then you'll ruin their life. Right. Uh, because that's the pattern. He said, now you're experiencing constructive pain. Right. Yeah, well. Constructive pain is where the destructive pain is gone. And the truth, because I had to reveal everything Everything. to everyone. Yeah. Yeah? That I had hurt and broken and and the truth and the the secrets and the shame. And and I was able Mm. to talk and and, and just tell the truth. So I didn't have any secrets anymore. But mm. then I was not only dealing with my own pain, but dealing with Mealy's pain, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and then, so constructive pain is, it takes a, a lot longer, like a lot longer. The first couple of years in sobriety, we're just trying to deal with that pain. Three years, mm-hmm. say, right? Yeah. Um, because there ain't no drugs, there ain't no drink. There are kind of, you know, but when it's gone, it's gone. It's been constructed. Mm. It's gone. It's broken. So, the pattern is gone. Amazing. You've just clocked up ten years, and you said that you yeah. did ninety meetings in ninety days. Do you still yeah. do meetings at all, or no? I, no. And, and, and I and I don't do meetings now, not because they weren't for me or anything. I, I you know, I, I, for me, they were absolutely fantastic. But I have a life of gratitude. I have a life of. Yeah happiness uh stress i employ 22 people and myself stress (laughs) but we have a we have a wonderful team amelia is totally involved in the business now she runs it from home uh we're we're a team we're together uh we're very happy we're great parents i I believe Um, and and you know like like i'm surrounded by love and she tells me i come from a place of privilege and i do because I know lots of addicts that have come out and not been surrounded by love and ended up dead yeah. and ended up yeah. back, back, you know, because they haven't had that support. Uh, yeah. So I've, I've, I've spent the last 10 years creating my new last work, whether that be uh, as a dad with my two little boys, uh, as a partner with Neely, as a leader, uh, mm. as a hairdresser, as a, as a hair cutter. As a, as a, as a, you know, as a, just a general person, um, and 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 I've tried to make up, I suppose, for the twenty five years of mess yeah. before that, you know, like of of absolute mess. You you've yeah. loved yourself back to life, from what I see, you know, you, or you've been yeah, loved like, back to life. You've you've found that yeah. missing element that you were missing, uh, that that missing piece that you didn't have when yeah. you was a child, and. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, when I saw it on so, uh, social media that you just clocked up 10 years, because I remember hearing this story originally with the cliffs of Moer, which I can't pronounce properly. Sorry. You've tried um, it a few yeah, times before try, we got on here. I've got a, I've got a mental block on that one. Moher. 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 He says yeah, with a really uh, Irish accent. Moher. Exactly. I, I can't say it without You even say the cliffs with an Irish accent, you know. <laughs> Oh, hold Cliffs on, let me more. find this now here, lads. The Come on, more. Come on, lads. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, and I've written down loads of stuff listening to you. I've written down, you know, the shame, the blame, the, uh, you know, I, I cannot still get over my head the anti-Colgan Club ba- badges, mate. And, 
just battered. And then you can I and tell then you I've something about that, Clive? Can I tell you yeah. something about that? Mm. The boy that started the Anti Halgan Club, I know his name. I know who he mm. was. And not long after I became a hairdresser, his mother started to come to me to get her hair done. Wow. Today, she's in her late eighties, maybe early nineties, and she's still a regular client of mine every six weeks. And I've no loved way. her for thirty years. Wow. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, no, that's you know, a fact. Wow. Love, it's brilliant. And I love her. I love her. She's amazing. Wow. Yeah. My phone. My, my just one second, guys. My what's up? I'm gonna die. Oh, have you got a plug in yeah. there? Yeah, Clive's actually like in the next room. We, we're in a, yeah. uh, a st- we're in a studio. It's got two soundproof rooms, but we can see each other through the glass. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, are you good? Are you charged? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, um, all right. So, can I? Can what, what... I, do you mind? Sorry, do, before you kick off with the uh, questions and yeah. stuff, Clive. Um, now, I just, I, I just want to say how incredibly moved. Um, I am and so grateful for you sharing your story because it's it's such an important story to share. And I mean, obviously, your ability to go deep and be so raw and just be laying it all out is 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 not easy. Um, you know, there's quite a few moments there where I had to kind of hold back my own Me too. Um, emotion. I was just like, oh, my God, you know, and kind of didn't feel justified to to cry, you know, because it's your story. Um, but where like Clive said you know like seeing and hearing you you know talk about your life now after 10 years down the line um I'm first of all so thank god that you were saved that day you know Mm -hmm. by the people that love you and love really is so important um for healing and and growth as human beings um and I'm so happy that you've now built this incredible life with your family um but thank you for sharing was really what I wanted you to know. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. You know, it's, it's funny. It's funny. Like, uh, uh, I, I get to do things like, like go to, uh, go to games with my, like Ruben's autism. Now he's, he's, he's 13 now. Uh, he speaks 25 languages. He animates uh, at the, he Whoa. animates at the, at the, at the, at the level of a professional a- animator. Like he is absolutely no. unbelievable. He is, he's just started secondary school. He's just, a joy, you know, you know, he's just an incredible little boy. And Hugo, wow. my eleven year old, you know, he's a, he's really into sport and really into computer games and and Hugo and myself, you know, Ruben has no interest in sport, but Hugo and myself, we started to go to games together, you know, uh eleven games between hurling, football, uh rugby, soccer, you know, and wow. uh uh, but we've witnessed nine nine defeats and two draws, right? So we're, I don't know whether we're a jinx, whether, whether, whether we're a jinx or not. But, but let me tell you, I was uh, when I was when I was driving off um, with Hugo, and, and and you know the funny thing about it is like I see how much Hugo and Ruben love me, you know, and yeah. sometimes I, I I I I have to actually like stop in the moment and say somebody loves me that much. You know what I mean? Like it's like yeah. Even at fifty four, it's like yeah, oh, yeah. So I was. Yeah. I was yeah. just imagine like you, 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 you wouldn't amazing. have experienced that if you'd kept no. going down the path you were headed with yeah. drinking and because, like you said, when and we've spoke about this a lot actually, haven't we, Clive? The numbness that you get from the pain, right? You know, yeah. um, when you do those things, it also numbs 
all the other feelings. So the feeling yeah, yeah. that you could be lovable or you're successful or joy and happiness, like it all gets numbed. So yeah. you don't get to experience those moments that you've just explained, like with your kids, where you yeah. feel it in your heart. You know, me and Clive have both got kids too. And like, and you're like, wow, like you want to stop and just like take a mental image of that yeah. so you can keep it with you. Yeah, it's beautiful. The experience yeah. is something. Yeah. I had it yesterday. It was my daughter's birthday, and I sat there and watching her and her friends. They, she's thirteen, and you know they're little ladies now. And we were in a restaurant because they went and did do a few bits and pieces. And I sat there and I just had so much gratitude for being sober because yeah. I remember so many birthdays before, you know, um, yeah. where I was drinking and, um, and being yeah. present. You know, I've written down this thing, and I want to. Think, I know I'll be very conscious of time because I know we've run over, and because you're just such an interesting gentlemen to talk, talk to and thank you yeah. and everything that Amy said I, I completely amen I agree with that one um, but out of my head I wrote that down I heard that again on another podcast last week uh, on listening to Minister Sobriety it never dawned on me that the words out of my head or he's out of his head that's exactly yeah. what we used to do right we used to get yeah. out of yeah. our heads because our heads were so noisy and busy but the phrase just used to be just tossed around like oh he's off his yeah. head he's off his head and it's, yeah. it's, and it, and I have said this on many podcasts. I came into recovery for the drinking and I stay for the thinking because it's yeah. the thought process that my head got me into. That if it let, if it's left, and fair credit to you, you know, you said you've got a lot of things and a lot of support around you to, to be able to keep this, this momentum going. And I see it, mate. I've seen you on social media and you've spoken about your days when you've talked about the lovely clients and the gratitude that you've had and some of the difficult situations. And we'll put your socials into our show notes. Niall, um, I can't thank you enough. Um, you've been amazing, mate. I really appreciate thank you. you. And Thanks so much next for time having I'm, me on, guys. No, it's been amazing. We, you know, we, you. Might get you, we might get you back on again and down the I was down just going to say, I, I, feel like, I feel like I could just keep talking to you for hours to be fair um and i, I think oh, there's so still much. oh there's still a lot more questions i want to ask um yeah. you know and, and in particular i think after hearing your story I, I i really think that people will appreciate you so much but um i guess there'll be other things that come along like they're, they're going to want to know how did you stay sober you know like yeah. that's yeah. always a challenge it's not easy yeah. it's not easy yeah. um, to, to yeah. get sober and stay sober so yeah. everyone kind of has different methods of, of it's that funny, so it's, I'm funny, sure... it's funny it's funny you should say that because like the last day when I was driving up to the match with Hugo Mealy said to me you know I sent her videos of us together and you know and Mealy said Hugo's a real gift to you isn't he oh, oh said, that's beautiful I said no I said I said you were the gift I said you just kept giving you know oh. for me that was that's what kept me sober you know oh. The so gift beautiful. of Neely picking me up that day, bringing oh. me home. The gift of the pain, the constructive pain. Yeah. The gift of building a business properly together. The mm. gift of learning how to lead together. The gift of and by God, I still fuck up a lot. You know, in 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 mm. in various aspects. Thankfully, not with drink or destructive behavior, but just you know, we're all we all, we all fuck up. We're you human know, beings. Mistakes. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, you know. Yeah. But, but the the gift the gift of proper love you know and mm. and 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 the belief that I think this guy can turn it around you know um what kept me sober I'll never forget my last drunk mm. brilliant mm. 
Thank you, Niall. Uh, it's been amazing, Niall, mate. I really you. appreciate it. Um, yeah. and I hope you've enjoyed that episode, everyone. Oh, Please leave us a... It's been amazing, mate. And I say, we will definitely get you back on. Um, yeah. Please leave us a rating and review. Uh, that helps us create better content for you in the future. And let, let us know your thoughts. We um, have really enjoyed doing this. But I think we're up to over 10 or 12 episodes now. Uh, we've got in the bag. This has been a real journey for us going along this uh, pathway. Straight Edge, the podcast. If you are a hairdresser, barber, or work in the media industry, and you too would like to come on and be as brave as Niall and share your story, please message us on our social media because we would love to chat to you. It doesn't necessarily have to be about drugs or alcohol. It can be about anything of addictive behavior. Um, we've got an interesting uh, episode coming up, which I'm very excited to to record. It's all about pornography and the younger the younger generation and the addiction to porn. Um, anyway, be interesting. Note, thank yeah. you very much, and well, we'll see you next week. <laughs>